starting. Hello, everybody. Welcome to episode 172 of Big Trouble Podcast. I am Joe Dubs. I'm Andy. And we are ending off the spooky, spooky month with the uh, one of the best movies of all time based off of the websites that we looked around. The Shining. Uh, Stanley Kubrick Shining. Not the the TV miniseries mini movie, by the way, which I we'll get into that. I, I, I always forget that exists. Mm-hmm. It, 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 we'll get into it later. Uh, but before we get into The Shining, uh, what the hell you guys been playing, watching, or doing? I'll go first. Uh, I watched the movie Dune uh, on HBO Max, and it is really, really good. Um, my friend read the books, and he says that it's almost dead on uh there's well, that, that that friend read the books i did i did read the book well been, i read the first book i've been waiting for zach's opinion on it because he's like the only human being i know who's read the book i'm gonna watch it soon uh i sort of like the the not david lynch film he refuses to take credit for <laughs> but uh yeah i've heard for the most part it's good some people don't like it but i think that's just because they they don't like the story well, Dubs liked it, so yeah. A lot of people don't like it is because it's a a two parter, and the the way they end the first part because I I think people expect it to be like Star Wars or something like an actiony thing where it's just like oh there's gonna be a bunch of bombs and there's gonna be a war or like you know in Lord of the Rings when they're fucking uh, going to Isengard or whatever deep, uh, Helm's Deep uh, they I bet you people were expecting that and then something different happened. And I, I thought it was great. Uh, if anybody who doesn't know the director, he I don't know how to say his name, but he did uh, The Fifth Element, that director. DeVille, Wait, what? DeVille, something like that. Oh, now you're going to make me look it up. Are you sure? That doesn't... Really, what? Hang on. Hang on. Everyone, everyone stop. Dune. It's Dennis, uh, Dennis Villeneuve, whatever the guy's name is. He did uh, The Arrival and um, Blade Runner 2049 and a few other things. Didn't he do The Fifth Element? I don't, I don't, wouldn't he have been too young for that? To, I don't, maybe. Maybe you're right. If so, then that's pretty no, crazy. I, I, I think I'm wrong. What the fuck? I don't think so that does not sound right to yeah me. It's, it's not right <laughs> i already looked it up now i feel fucking right, stupid good. but he did blade runner 2049 that's a, that's a big thing um and he also did sicario that's another good movie by the way all right, right. um I don't know where I got fucking Fifth Element. Jesus Christ. Uh, I'm just going to move on. Oh, Fifth Element was directed by Luke Besson. I didn't know that. Yeah. I'm going to move on from that because I feel fucking stupid. Deeply on the professional movie kicks ass. <laughs> you know, I can feel stupid. I've done that stuff. I've done it on this show and I wasn't corrected. And then like months later, I found out and I was like, do I bring it up on the show? Or <laughs> what am I supposed to do? And do I publish a correction somewhere? <laughs> uh, you just You just let it go. Yeah, until somebody points it out, I guess. Um, yeah, so Dune was really good. I highly recommend it. Um, if you're a, you better watch it within the month because remember HBO Max, you have 30 days to watch it before it gets taken off. But then it goes back onto it later on after 
its exit its movie theaters. One day. Um, I played um the Saw game. I have it on PC, so I was like, I want to play the Saw game. And there's a Saw game. Yeah. <laughs> It didn't come out. It was like a seventh generation game or some shit. Yeah, it came out during uh, Xbox 360 days, I believe. Yeah. And uh, oh yeah, that's right. I, I remember it came out when I was working at GameStop. I remember being like, "Wow, I don't give a fuck about this." <laughs> <laughs> I mean, it, you you're put into like jigsaws, uh, traps, and shit. So it's interesting. Uh, it's infuriating if you don't know what you're doing. Uh. I'm trying to Just think. Google it. I'm trying Fuck to think. I'm trying to think what else I watch. That's it, I think. Nothing else. Just Dune. Dune and Saw. The game. Uh, the movies. That's a lot of movies. I don't want to see Spiral, the Chris Rock one. I don't know why. It just doesn't feel good. But anyway, Andy, you're next because I know you do have a short thing. Yeah, I watched some more Seinfeld. I watched some more Squid Game. I'm not done with it. I got like two episodes left, I think. Um, I played a, it, I played all the Yakuza I could. I didn't get enough time to play Yakuza, but I did play it. Zach watched some of it. I got I got a crawfish, and I can summon it now, and it's hilarious. That that made me that convinced me to get that game. Good, you should. Everyone <laughs> should. The game's fantastic. Uh, and then I watched a horror movie on Netflix called His House. It's all right. It's fine. It's a really, really, really interesting premise. And then they don't really do a whole lot with it. Like, it's pretty by the numbers. And there's a few, like, jump scares in it. I'm not a huge fan of that kind of horror. But the the, the last act, they do a bunch of really cool stuff for, like, 15 minutes. And then there's a credit roll. So I don't particularly recommend it. But it's all right. It's got a... Matt Smith in it. He was Doctor Who, and it's weird. I'm like, hey, look, Doctor Who's in this movie. <laughs> <laughs> it's fine though. But yeah, uh, Yakuza Like a Dragon still kicks ass. Come watch me play it at uh, uh, Twitch.tv/slash The Cliche Mustached. Cool, Zach. What about you? Oh, I played Castlevania Dracula X some more uh, before I decided I was done with it. <laughs> uh, I'm not finishing that game. I'm just I'm writing it off. It's, uh, I was right. They changed the levels completely. Uh, Uh Uh-oh. Okay. (laughs) I guess Konami was like, well, fuck you then. (laughs) What the hell happened? All right. I don't know. Zach got booted from the call. There he goes. He's back. You better not not badmouth Konami again, boy. They're coming for you. (laughs) They don't even remember they made that game. (laughs) But um, anyway, like I was saying, uh, I wrote it off because I was right in my assumption. All the levels are really different. All the enemy layouts are different. Everything is harder in that game than in Rondo of Blood. It's just, it's actually come to find out after playing a little while, it's considered one of the most difficult traditional games. Really? Yeah. Uh, And the thing is, is it's not fun because like if you played Rondo of Blood, that's just, you think, oh, you keep thinking this is the SNES version of Rondo of Blood, but except it's not fucking fun. It's frustrating. Also, didn't they, didn't they like strip out all the fun story beats? They did. There's like, there's just an opening kind of cutscene when you like boot the game up, mm-hmm. and that's probably it, other than an ending, I guess. To be fair, that's kind of all they do in like Bloodlines, for instance, which is one of my favorite Castlevanias, but 
I don't know. I, knowing there's a better a better way to see the story would just, just you know, that would get to me. It just feels weird. It's definitely like a bastard version of that game in every sense of the word. The music's kind of cool, but even I feel like it's just inferior to what they did on the Turbo Graphics. Yeah, uh, I have the vinyl soundtrack from Mondo Records, and it's a it's a four sided vinyl, and it has the Dracula X soundtrack and the Rondo Blood soundtrack. I haven't listened to the Dracula X soundtrack once. Like I just I'm like, why? Why would I do that? I have Rondo Blood right here. I'm gonna listen to that. <laughs> Same thing with their uh, Castlevania Three release. It has the Japanese version and the American version on the other side, and in Japan. When Castlevania 3 came out for Famicom, they added a chip that added like a bunch of extra channels of sound. Yeah. So it's kind of like the American version. There's a band with three instruments playing. And in the Japanese version, there's a band with eight instruments playing. And it's like, why even listen to the American version? It's it's inferior in every conceivable way. I don't know. Maybe for nostalgia, but same thing. I've just, I don't think I've ever pl- listened to that side. <laughs> my, my feelings on that, though, like, oh, the game's kind of hard and frustrating is like this. It's like, I feel like that stuff is more excusable in the NES days. I don't know why, because I have a lot of issue with a lot of NES games like that. They're like stupid difficult. Yeah. But for some reason, like, I don't know why it's dumb. Castlevania is allowed to get a pass on that. <laughs> but I don't want to go to Super Nintendo and play games that are just as, if not more frustrating though. Yeah. Um, I've still been dabbing here and there at, uh, Resident Evil Revelations. I'm gonna get. I'm gonna hit a real good lick on it here very soon, though. Gonna get it. Um, and then as for what I watched, I watched a whole bunch of movies again. Uh, I watched Friday the Thirteenth Part One and Two, mm. and I'm gonna keep going at some point. Um, Part One is okay to me. Uh, I, I prefer the latter half of that movie. Um. Part two is better. That that fell more in line with what my expectations for those movies were. A lot of people try to watch Friday the 13th after the fact, and I think they watch the first one like, what the fuck? This isn't what I was told Friday the 13th is, so. Yeah, well, my thing is, is like, I've never seen a movie all the way through. Mm. Like, unless you're going to count Jason X, and I, I don't. <laughs> Not I do. really. I mean, it's yeah. Worth watching. It's part. Uh, it's part of it, but you know what I'm saying. It's not really like what everybody thinks of yeah um then i watched uh christine uh it was pretty good this uh is pretty good john carpenter movie it's weird because it's so long i'm not used to his movies being so long it's like two it's like a little bit over two hours i'm like okay well it didn't wear out as welcome though i was just like it, it noticed like oh this is two hours and eight minutes that's strange for him um it was fine uh, House on Haunted Hill, that was that was fun to watch. I love Vincent Price. Um, if you don't, there's something wrong with you. If you don't, then fuck off. No, it's yeah, fine. Fuck, fuck off, pretty much. I watched the the black and white version, not the colored version. Um, I watched Halloween Six: Curse of Michael Myers. Uh, because I'm Did watching. Did you skip all- some? No. Oh, okay. I, I, I talked about watching four and uh, five. I think last time. Sometimes I get them all confused. It's like it's like there's one and two, and then there's the weird one, and then it's like I don't even know what's going on until it goes to hell, pretty much, or not not goes to hell, wrong series. Um, until H two O. Oh fuck yeah, H two O. I guess. Yeah. <laughs> well, like uh, like I said before, four or five is 
and four is okay, five is eh, and then six is like them totally kind of like shitting the bed in that Thorn trilogy thing. Yeah, that's stupid. A it's, lot of people love four, but I've never, I've never understood that. Four's fun. It's, it's fun. It's got a bunch of cool kills. It's got cool kills. I like the, the town is like pissed off and. It's like they shut the whole town down because there's murders. I'm like, finally, some shit makes sense for once in this town. What uh, I, I, um, I forgot to mention in mine, but since you brought it up, like uh, the town going against uh, Michael Myers, oh, I yeah, watch. You watched uh, Halloween. Movie. I watch Halloween Kills, and I hate no it. Spoilers. No, I'm not gonna spoil, but I, I fucking hate. He kills. It. <laughs> <laughs> I, I will say this. I like 2018 Halloween better um, than Halloween Kills. It expands on that, on that Halloween. And I feel like that is better than what they do in Halloween Kills. That's all I'll say. But continue. <laughs> seems okay, like a sure. lot of people aren't in love with that movie. Mm -hmm. Yeah, it seems kind of split. Um, but yeah, Curse is bad other and what what fascinates me is that there's two different cuts of that movie there's a producer's cut that everybody was like clamoring for and wanting to see really bad it's like got more of the dumb elements from the story that they cut yeah <laughs> uh i watched the regular theatrical cut then i saw h2o which i thought was like kind of okay it was kind of fun it I was like very that. very of its time uh, then I watched Halloween Resurrection, which was also very of its time. <laughs> I barely remember that one. I know I've seen it, but I can't remember what the fuck happens in it. Do you remember like that MTV show Fear TV or whatever? Where they put they put like a bunch of like young people, eighteen to twenty two, in like a creepy location and film them. Mm -hmm. Like they're they're in the Moundsville, West Virginia Moundsville scary prison or whatever the fuck, and like. It's just a bunch of like people that would watch MTV going through there and being asshole teenagers or young adults, yeah, being scared. It, it, I got huge nostalgia from that because that's totally what that plot is. <laughs> and Buster Rhymes is in it. Yep, oh, that's right. Okay, suddenly it comes back to me. <laughs> and it's like, what the fuck? Why is Buster Rhymes in this movie? Well, honestly, he's like stupid entertaining. It's just he he does kung fu moves to Michael Myers. <laughs> And, and like, but he still gets his ass kicked, so it's like okay. <laughs> but, but um, then uh, like it's not good, but I kind of like it because it's so entertaining. Uh, and then I watched Basket Case. If you've ever seen Basket Case, it's about a guy who carries his his Siamese twin brother that got cut off of him in a basket. Oh, I think I've seen it spoofed, but I've never I haven't seen that movie. So they have a telepathic connection. Only he, only the one in the basket can like talk to him. But like they're going around murdering the doctors that separated them. <laughs> yeah, and they live in like a really shitty hotel in like New York in 1982. Is it like Stone Cold Serious or is it like silly? no, no? Okay. It's it's right. silly. When you see uh, his twin's name is I swear to God I'm not making this up. His twin's name is Belial. When he's called it Bilal, I started laughing immediately. Like he's Daisy Satan. Like what? But um, he's just like this. It's like a basket this large, and there's this blobby tumor thing with arms and teeth, and somehow it's able to kill people, and it's like super strong, and it's hilarious. 
it's <laughs> it's good it's like on tubi you can watch it for free um it's fun it's it's a fun kind of a bad schlocky uh horror movie and that's it okay all right time to get in some stanley kubrick's the shining um i'll just say the plot is pretty simple jack torrance gets job at a hotel to look over it during the winter and uh, slowly uh jack goes crazy and then attacks his family and there's some you know subplots about other caretaker caretakers having the same uh thing where they kill their family there's history and stuff um i guess congratulations because that is one of the one of the best undersellings of The Shining I've ever heard. <laughs> yes, but... It really is, actually. It's pretty simple. It's your classic man meets hotel story. But uh, you, you, forgot, you forgot me saying but. But it's Stanley Kubrick, so he takes that simple plot and then just puts his own twist to it. Um, this has nothing to do with the novel uh, besides the title. Uh, and the hotel and the characters everything that happened in the shining i mean some of it still happens but in a different way uh like the maze the hedges and stuff those came alive in the book and in this they're just there it's just a it's just a maze um a lot of people had analyzed this movie a lot of people to to a nauseating degree have you guys ever seen that movie room 237 yes <laughs> no i fucking hate it yeah why do you hate i don't know anything about it like what is it it's a documentary and it's about all the fan theories around this movie this is really more a conversation to have at the end of our conversation about the movie but fuck it who cares <laughs> um there's theories about like the shining is supposed to be Stanley Kubrick trying to admit that he filmed the moon landing and it's supposed to be about what? the the slaughter of native americans what? and it's supposed to be about i can't remember there's like four or five different theories each one more nut job than the last and i remember thinking this is going to be a really interesting documentary because all of this stuff is cuckoo bonkers so I can't wait to see these people bend over backwards to justify it. And they just like show a few clips from the movie and they're like, well, you see Danny's wearing a sweater and it says Apollo 11, 11 on it. So that's him. We didn't go to the moon. And it's, it's like <laughs> one or two interesting beats and then a fucking hour and a half of bullshit. It's like With unconvincing. <laughs> terrible people in like unwashed shirts with a comb over like well you see the thing about the native americans is they was built on the uh uh the burial ground that's Stanley kubrick trying to, to, to comment on uh modern native relations with the government and it's just it's awful it's really terrible and then jack torrance says the white man's burden lord right, that's another thing that they mm -hmm. point to the white man's burden <laughs> That so sounds awful. He's drinking fire water, and he says white man's burden. So you see, that's supposed to symbolize. And this is stupid. It's really dumb. Like, don't yeah. watch it. Yeah. Can it just be a big movie? time disrecommend? <laughs> what, what's funny about like the whole Danny getting up with the Apollo Eleven uh, shirt 
because how the design of the rug is is like it looks like a launch pad and look they're all all the vehicles are like there when a shuttle is launched or a rocket's been launched and if you look at danny when he stands up that's like the rocket launching and then they're like what is 237 well the 237 is the room where stanley kubrick <laughs> did the uh the moonlight it's so stupid god uh, damn it <laughs> This this reminds me of that shit that like Silent Hill fans do, where they overanalyze the fuck out of everything, mm-hmm. or like the people that do the same thing to Twin Peaks. Oh my god! It's the same thing, except they've been doing it for even longer. Yeah, because it's older. Yeah. <laughs> Jesus. I, Let's talk about what the movie actually is about. What uh, Jack Torrance being a shit father and uh, abusing his kid and probably his wife. Maybe, probably, but <coughs> she does say he hasn't touched a drop since. That's important. Mm. He comes home, he's had too much to drink, he dislocated Danny's shoulder, and he was like, I'll never drink again. And he doesn't until he's corrupted and tempted by the hotel. Yeah. And he and drinks it, ghost booze. And he drinks ghost ghost whiskey, which doesn't even exist. I don't know. <laughs> so maybe he still didn't have a drink. There's a lot of stuff that's like, I, wait, you can interpret it like he, oh, he drank, but he's like, he's susceptible to the, the, um, Holleran talks about how some people shine, well, some places shine, and it's, it's like the hotel, the Overlook Hotel is affecting him. Yeah. So, yeah, he might be a shit father, but maybe he was trying, and then this place ruined that. Yeah, there's definitely a compassion, because one, what you just said, he didn't uh, drink a drop, and then the part where he's having that nightmare about killing Wendy and Danny, and like he's like actually scared and didn't want to do that, because he's like, no, no, while he's like dreaming and stuff, and Mm -hmm. that kind of terrifies him, so like... Yeah, the hotel pushed him over. Um, it, it It's basically, to me, is just that they took a vulnerable person like Jack and infected him with evil, which is the hotel. Um, <laughs> there's a lot. I, I can't, later on in, the, in, in when we're talking, I, some of the weird fucking theories that I heard, but like, uh, Stanley Kubrick does do hints about native americans because one they point out in the thing that it's uh in an indian burial burial ground jack is throwing a fucking ball at like a totem pole uh, that resembles native americans and then there's like a native american food label that is always being in the shot i'm not saying that you know he's trying to say something but you know with all the because they, they also bring up the part uh, about the cannibalism, too. There's a, a lot of wagon talk. Uh, because it, twice they brought up a wagon. One, I think it's all just supposed to be more spooky shit. Like, it, when... It, it, it's popular in American folklore, just culture in general, if something's built on an Indian burial ground, a Native American burial ground, mm. it's, it's cursed. Oh, you're you know you're doomed if if you try to do stuff here people mysteriously die or or fires start or something like that and then they bring up the donner party which most people know what the donner party is they got stranded 
in the the Colorado mountains in the winter, and they had to eat the dead. Mm. So and it's just like, if you don't know, he tells you in the movie, and he tells you that in the movie. Yeah. <laughs> Dad, what was the donor party? Yeah. They I had to eat each other, Danny. It was cannibalism. Don't worry, Mom. Like, I watched that on TV. See, it's See? fine. He watched it on TV. He watched it on the television. <laughs> what do you think of Jack's tone on how he talks to Wendy and Danny? Because when he delivered that line, kind of like he seemed a little bit annoyed, but like a little bit like being funny about it. Like, see, he watches it on TV. And then when he wakes up. Well, it's in his face, too. Yeah. he's like. Yeah. He's got kind of a sardonic, sarcastic tone generally, I think. Yeah, Jack, but Jack sometimes I, I can tell, like reading between the lines, he's like, he gets fucking annoyed with his wife. He gets kind of aggravated. And I don't know. I don't know what else to read into that. I think that's part <laughs> of why he's so susceptible to being corrupted by the Overlook Hotel is because he's already kind of a like he used to be a drunk. Now he's just a prick. Yeah. Mm-hmm. Like he's, I mean, I'm, I I don't doubt that he loves his wife and his son, probably, but he's still like just kind of an asshole. I, I think it's probably after he's being corrupted, but there's, I think it was easy for the Overlook to make him be like, when you hear me doing this, don't you know, stay the fuck out of here or something, you know, stuff like that. I, I I think that was the direction he was headed anyway. It's just he always had that part of his attitude under control and you only yeah. see it a little bit yeah cause... like it almost in a lot of scenes it almost seems like jack is i mean literally it's jack nicholson putting on a performance as jack torrance but it seems like jack torrance is being a, per, a fake person if the whole I, I had this thought while watching the movie this time if the whole movie was interactions that were played out like he, when he's talking to Ullman when he's first interviewing for the job, the acting in that scene is, it's not, I don't want to say it's bad because it's probably on purpose. Cause we're talking about Stanley Kubrick here. He made them do it 53 times until they got it right. So he got out of them exactly what he wanted, but the way they're behaving seems weird. It's, it, it's like almost inhuman. Like the, the tempo of the way they uh, they speak, particularly Jack. Maybe maybe I'm just looking for something that's not there. But I always felt like at the beginning of the movie, the way people talk to each other sounds weird. It doesn't sound like other movies. Everybody's putting up a front. It's like very superficially nice, is what it feels like. Which is that's whether you have ill intentions or not. That's what most people try to do when they first meet somebody and talk to them. Yeah. So it's just like you try to put up your your best front. Hey, hello, hello, traveler. How are you? Like <laughs> weird stilted dialogue because you don't know each other. Some people aren't like that though, but most people are. It's just a weird choice for the beginning of this movie because mm-hmm. I've seen other Kubrick movies and people behave like. I mean, in some of his movies, they very much have a thing where they speak like that 2001 is that like that a little bit in some of his older stuff but then you look at something like eyes wide shut and everyone just behaves like a human being it like the acting in eyes wide shut is there's no question in my mind that everyone in that movie talks and behaves as a human being would in the situations that they're at well that whole in this movie it makes me like this is weird why are they talking weird 
I think it's everything with Jack on like because they it to me I think Almond and the other guy the manager or whatever the guy who like says like two words he says fine and okay. <laughs> Why is that guy there? I've always wondered that because he just kind of sits there. Yeah, and he's always he's pissed off. Man. Did you notice that? Because his his arms are like this, and he's always like pissed off. I'm like I don't know. Like oh man, is this guy gonna last? Probably because Grady killed his family and because uh, they they had to bring that up they're like you're gonna be alone here nobody's gonna come you know help you when the snow comes in i've always wanted to know they say that uh that happened in the winter of 1970 right mm. and it's now 1980 i assume that's when the movie came out uh, what about all the caretakers in between did nothing happen for a decade? They just like came up and the overlook just didn't affect them. It was just waiting for some post-alcoholic asshole to come up. Maybe, maybe, maybe not. Yeah. Maybe the hotel is the whole thing is haunted even in the daytime. I guess I don't know. But like back to like when they're doing the interview, they talk about like Jack's past, right? Because he's like, "Well, what were you before this?" And he's like, "I was a teacher," and like. Didn't, it didn't make ends meet and they're like well what happened he's just like just one change like even that like him not being a teacher anymore it's like why <laughs> because we we obviously see where he goes from there and he you know became an alcoholic uh and by accident hurt danny so did he hurt another kid he said he wanted to become a writer and what yeah. what has think- he he said he said he was a teacher to make ends meet. It was like he didn't really want to be a teacher. He wants to be a writer. Mm. But to me. And by the way, you never see Jack do anything in the hotel. Wendy's the only thing uh, person that does something in the hotel when she's looking at the uh, boiler room. Like the, the whole time Jack the Jack has always been on that typewriter. That's so, not true. He went out and he he cut out the, the bullshit from the snowcat. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> that was something he did. He fucked up routine maintenance on purpose. <laughs> it, it's just, it, it's weird because maybe he was not a con- uh, competent person uh, when it comes to jobs. Uh, I don't think that was it at all. I think he really wanted to focus on his writing at first, and eventually that hotel just fucking sucked him in. Mm. Because it seemed like he was really trying at first, and then it's just like he can't do anything because he's got writer's block, or maybe he's a hack fraud. It always seemed to me like he is also a victim, sort of. Yeah. Like, he's just a guy. <clears throat> I mean, just a guy that gets caught up in a situation. And it <laughs> just kind of overtakes him a little. Or a lot. Yeah. The Shining thing, the actual uh, telepathic voice through other people and stuff between Danny and Halloran. Um, you don't, you don't really, you see it twice. You see it in the beginning with like, you want some ice cream and stuff. And then you see it at, at near the end, uh, <laughs> where Halloran's in a fucking, I guess, hotel room with like fucking naked pictures of a black. I think it's his house. That's his yeah, house. That's, his, that's his condo. Yeah, this is pad. This room is weird. This badass wood paneled bachelor pad. (laughs) And uh, you know they have that moment and stuff where he calls out to uh, Halloran, and Halloran comes. uh, But 
would you think of do you think tony is real by the way because he kind of predicts things. i have no idea because remember the part where he's like he's asking tony well tony are you getting is my dad getting the job and he's like he's calling wendy now talking like fucking kane and shit in 98 uh <laughs> to uh and he, he does call and he gets the job and he kind of shows Danny, you know, the elevator of blood and stuff. So maybe it's like, is it like the manifestation of his shining ability or something? That's what I thought. It's him, like, in a way, like, he's compartmentalizing that because he's just, what is he, five, six? Yeah, he's, he's very young. He's I, I very think young. He's ten. So they say it in the movie, don't they? They don't say, but they said that he was like in preschool, and then he, they took him out of preschool. So I assumed he was just like four to six. Mm -hmm. But um, like that might be all. It's an imaginary friend, but his imaginary friend actually tells him shit. That's that's just how he's able to like process that possibly. Um, do they elaborate on that in Doctor Sleep? Any? No. Somewhat. Really. Yeah. The Tony Florida. or the power of shining the power more uh, yeah. the... he doesn't say like oh I, when I was young I thought it was an imaginary friend I called him Tony but really it's the shine and I tried to remember I wanted to watch that movie again this year before we did this but I never got time mm -hmm. that, by the way that movie is underrated as fuck everyone was like oh there's no way it's gonna be as good as shining a fucking course it's not the shining is one of the greatest horror movies ever made if not the, the greatest but I still think Doctor Sleep is a killer movie. That movie's a lot of fun. Yeah, it's a good movie. Um, I like the whole Shining, like e the people who have it are evil, and you know, obviously Danny and that that, that black girl was uh, cool, being like the good side of things. Uh, the only thing I hated about Doctor Sleep is that they they made the hotel goofy. Um, like the hotel was like the actual monster, and I, I don't. Yeah, Halloran says that in this movie. He says some places shine. I don't know. I liked that. I mm. liked that at the end. He, he I, I don't want to spoil it. The movie's only a year old, but the way that they they take care of um, some some villain stuff is very very clever. I thought it was pretty fun. Mm. Um, Actually, both the ways they take care of villains in that movie is very fun because at the halfway point they get rid of a lot of the henchmen and the way they do that i was laughing in the theater uh it's it's so brilliant i love it to death <laughs> <laughs> you motherfuckers have psychic powers we'll stop this <laughs> again i won't spoil it the movie's only a year old so we'll leave that one alone. yeah so like the tony character is interesting because it's like how he explains it to like the therapist or whatever whoever that person came over to the apartment like he lives a little in, man that lives in his mouth yeah and, and it goes into his stomach and stuff um yeah it, it's interesting because i'm like is it the power doing that or is it an actual imaginary friend uh that sees things part of the hotel um what do you think of the gold room because i i my favorite parts of the movie is the two times the gold room scenes happen when yeah, he when, it's great yeah, when he talks to Lloyd, um, and by the way, that dialogue too is kind of weird as well because Lloyd talks to him like he's been there, you know, 
very long time and jack responds to lloyd like he's known this bartender for a long time uh and obviously when you get the ending with the picture and stuff of him being in that 1921 picture that kind of adds up a little bit right is that just the hotel taking him and being a part of that hotel evil of 1921 maybe he's always been there mm-hmm. because then grady says the same thing you've always been the caretaker and all that stuff and yeah, he, a, lot, a lot of confusing stuff happens because he's talking to the other caretaker and he's like i i, I love that that's one of my favorite parts just the part in the bathroom where he's like you, you murdered your wife and daughters with it with you chopped them in little pieces and the face he makes is like yeah i got you now motherfucker it's like what the fuck <laughs> and then the guy's like i i, I have no, i have no memory of that at all <laughs> you're a caretaker <laughs> <laughs> It, what's with Kubrick in this movie with mirrors, by the way? A lot what? of... Ma- ma- yeah, mirrors. Because mm-hmm. there's a lot of scenes with him uh, with mirrors, with Jack with mirrors, uh, uh, especially... Well, it's a major plot thing, because Danny's saying Red Rom, and he writes it on the door, and you see it in the mirror, and you're like, oh my god, it's a murder. Murder. Yeah, it's, it's like a picture of reality and stuff, because... They when- do a really good job of making that seem really significant and scary, because if you really analyze it, it's really stupid. It, like kind of juvenile. <laughs> <laughs> I, I'm sorry. I have to do that scene where Danny's saying red rum uh, because he takes that huge ass knife, and I I, I thought because I I forgot the scene, but I'm like he writes red rum on the door, but does he use his own blood because he like uses the finger? No, he just takes the lipstick and does the lipstick. I was like, oh, that, there was a time to make like some blood or whatever. Um, what else? Uh, what what else did you guys like about the? I I can't find anywhere that I dislike the movie. Let's do that. What didn't you like about the movie? Can't find Shelley it. Shelley Duvall. Really? I'm just I'm just joking. Oh, she's like she's okay. I think. I honestly think they could have got somebody that probably could have done a better job than her. Really? I thought her acting and I thought this was like some of the best acting she ever did. It is, but it's like, sometimes it's like, it's weird. Like it's sometimes she comes across as like too hysterical. I think like, like it's, it's, it's way too much. I think uh, that makes it more interesting to me. Like if she had more things under control, if she was less hysterical when she's swinging the bat, I don't think that scene would be as good. I guess not. It, it's just, it, it's not, I'm not saying she's bad, but it's like, I know the conditions she was under <laughs> making that movie. Mm. Um, but and I'm sure that probably had some to do with it. But uh, I was, I was just sitting there thinking, I was like, why, why did they pick her? Like they, they picked Jack Nicholson to be like the, the guy, the fucking antagonist, obviously. And, and they get they picked Shelley Duvall. <laughs> I just thought that was like bizarre casting choice. Uh, I I liked her, um, and I've heard that she was kind of a big deal, wasn't she? Yeah, during that time, I thought this was the movie that made her a big deal. I think she'd been in, she'd been in a Woody Allen movie or something. I think was Woody Allen actually like somebody 
for real back then? Oh, she or? was in Annie Hall. She was in the Woody Allen movie. Okay. okay. <laughs> Fine. I've never seen it, so. I didn't realize that. It's three women. Is that an Annie Hall movie? She? Or Annie Hall. Is that a fucking... No, that's a Robert Altman movie. Okay. So she worked with Woody Allen. She worked with Robert Altman. And then she worked immediately after that with uh, Stanley Kubrick. So, like, from 77 to 80, she was she's she's a pretty big deal i guess and then she was olive oil <laughs> yeah and then she and then she's in a uh uh then she's in a uh a terry gilliam movie and then it's the mid 80s then she starts to like kind of slant a little bit and then she's in suburban command yeah i forgot she was in that <laughs> how did you forget that's like your movie. You keep talking about Suburban Commando. I only remember Christopher Lloyd and fucking Hulk Hogan and uh, <laughs> fucking Iron. I forgot his name. Uh, the guy who plays Sam Fisher. That guy. Uh, he's a bell. Remembered it. God damn it. Michael Ironside. Yeah, Ironside. <laughs> um, but yeah, I'm not. I'm not. I'm not trying to pick on her or say she's bad. It's just like I. I thought maybe they could have got. It's just odd to me. They they pick Jack Nicholson, who's known for being a great actor at that point, and they pick her. She's been in a couple movies. Yeah. I figure maybe they want to pick somebody who's more well known or has more panache. Presumably they had they had tryouts and they were like, Oh, this is it. She's the Sta- one. Stanley Kubrick must have figured out I can like mentally assault this woman and make her like freak out like i i know i can do i'll it. get what i want from this woman is it, <laughs> isn't shelly 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 duvall um isn't she like schizo now she's had uh she's had a rough couple years recently um she had like a i think she had a mental breakdown i think she was homeless for a little bit Ew, that's not cool yeah yeah back but in I, I think she, 2016 huh? she was on dr phil or uh in new interview with dr phil she has mental illness that yeah. she's dealing with um i i thought she, like i know you're not knocking on she, shelly duvall um i think shelly duvall with her hystericalness in this movie and with the mixture of uh, Kubrick bullying she- Shelley Duvall during the set to make her do the scenes a thousand times, which by the way, those, those uh, back uh, back room or during the set videos and shit that you saw with Kubrick and Jack Nicholson and Shelley Duvall, like he was grilling into her and like, she was snapping back. Like she was getting annoyed at certain areas, which I get because you know, Kubrick, this has always been a stickler about getting the shot right on what he wants it to be. Um, so that was interesting. Uh, Halloran is great. And back to like Dr. Sleep, they picked a good person to be Halloran. Uh, a thousand percent. Yes. Yeah. So um, I liked Halloran. Uh, he's cool. Um trying to think what oh and uh stephen king did not like this movie when it was released because obviously kubrick said fuck your book because <laughs> it took out all the bat shit stupid stephen king shit mm-hmm. i mean yeah, he it's... made a good movie like what, what do you want and i'm not <laughs> saying stephen king novels are bad they're good novels they're not necessarily good movies mm-hmm. that, that's just my opinion sometimes 
I, I heard his opinion change now. He likes the movie. Uh, probably because of the miniseries that came out was just shit. Uh, he didn't realize what he was saying yeah. <laughs> until he saw that, yeah. That's always been really weird to me because I used to get it confused all the time. I would say, wait, did he love this movie or hate it? Because I get it confused with Kubrick's adaptation of 2001, which the author did love and they collaborated on. So... Hmm. It's just, it's just weird. Like, he's uh, Kubrick's done all these adaptations, and he Kubricked up all of them. And there's been such mixed up. Uh, Lolita was based on a book as well, but fuck that movie because it's his worst one. So, <laughs> yeah, like the the mini. Oh, and uh, Pads of Glory might be based on a novel. I'm not sure. Though. Yeah, the the differences that I like about Jack Nicholson, Jack Torrance versus uh, I don't I forgot the actor's name. Uh, he did a lot of like l- low budget. He was actually, I think he was the, um, if I remember correctly, I may be wrong, just like how I thought the fifth element director was wrong. Uh, <laughs> I think he was the coach of the Mighty Ducks 3 movie, not Bombay, but like when they went to that stupid prep school and he was the the guy. But he he was big in the, the late 90s and early 2000s and shit back in the day. But anyway, his Jack Torrance, like in Kubrick's version, you know, he's taken by the evil, but he still looks like Jack Torrance, just disheveled hair and all that stuff. In the miniseries, they like make him look like a monster. His eyes are all white out and all that stuff, and he's carrying the axe. It's so, yeah, it's all over the top. I like it better when Jack Nichols is just staring out the window with a creepy look on his face. Mm hmm. Like he's just mentally checked out. He's just like, like I was thinking about that scene thing. this time. It, it's almost like uh, I'd never considered this before, but it's almost like that's his. That's another one of his moments of weakness. And as he's staring through the window, the reason he's so checked out is because that's the overlook getting its claws into him like further or something. I don't know, that that's what I thought this time. Yeah, I, I've seen this movie. I know like fifteen. 20 times i have no idea so when he's talking to danny right like when he's sitting in the bed he's like you know i love you right and like he's like talking to danny and shit is he like again like losing himself like that's not him in a way i thought that was him i i didn't think it was like he was uh fucked up or anything i feel like he was just legitimately tired and felt weird and was frustrated Mm -hmm. but by those things and he was just like Listen, listen, buddy. I love you. I'm not gonna hurt you. Mm-hmm. <laughs> it's just he was fucking tired. He couldn't sleep. He's got insomnia. He's he's ending up in random spots of the hotel, and he doesn't know why. Or remember how he got there. Mm-hmm. <laughs> and um, then you know after that, pretty much, uh, you assume. Okay, this is where like a lot a lot of the people analyze shit too much. Do you think Jack hurt Danny in that scene, or was it the lady in room two thirty seven? I think it was the hotel. You think it, was it was the lady, the ghost. Yeah, the ghost did it. Because a lot of people analyze to think that that's when he abused Danny again. Uh, but then I'm like, well, how did he end up? Did, did he like abuse him and then went downstairs by the typewriter and like imaginary fell asleep or was he taken by the hotel 
to abuse Danny and then wake up by the the typewriter and that's when he was like no and then he's like sitting there and he's like looking like this at Danny because I mean you see you see him go in the room and this is after Holler and tells him don't fucking go in there don't you ever go in there there's nothing in there stay away don't do it bad also, things will happen also apparently Danny tells Wendy that it was a woman in that room that hurt him like Danny has no reason to lie about it True. No, yeah. I, I like that scene where after Wendy like accuses fucking uh Jack of abusing Danny, she's like, There's a woman at two thirty seven. And he's and Jack's like, Are you fucking crazy? <laughs> she didn't even apologize for accusing him of like fucking hitting him or anything. Mm-hmm. I, I noticed, by the way. So I didn't blame him for being kind of surly. So Another question. Was that when the hotel finally got him? When he I, I think get, it was when he had when he had his first ghost whiskey. It was on. <laughs> Never drink ghost whiskey. Why did he lie about room two thirty seven if he was terrified? Because he didn't want to be a fucking bitch. He didn't want to look like a bitch. Okay. Probably. I, I it's probably something as simple as that. No. There was nothing in there. I think part of it is he's starting to question who, oh, who's on my side. My wife is over here yelling at me for attacking my son, even though I didn't. And the hotel's giving me whiskey. The hotel likes me. The hotel's my buddy. Maybe I shouldn't betray the hotel, my buddy. And why did Jack, in the first scene in the bar, don't have money? And in the second scene, he does have money. He went and got it. Damn it, you guys, with the simple logic. It, it... <laughs> he left it in his suitcase. <laughs> he said, I'm going to need this later when I run into Lloyd. Maybe. I don't know. I, I feel like something symbolizing that he wasn't, he was a poor bitch before that. And then, and, you know, the hotel takes him and now his money doesn't matter. He's He had no spiritual currency. He wasn't willing to give up some shit. And now he was. Mm-hmm. <laughs> um I the ending uh well the, near the end when Wendy starts seeing the hotel and shit like she goes into the lobby sees all the skeletons and stuff which by the way I I bet you it was scary back then like when I watch it now I'm like it's so like I'm it's, it's to me it looks like I'm going into party city and they're decorating with all the halloween shit <laughs> that's which how just uh, when, when she goes to the gold room and it's just all cobwebby and there's skeletons. Yeah, that part's weird. Like, why? Why? I, I mean, I understand that the whole part is the Overlook is trying to slow her down or stop her. And it's so it's showing her a bunch of, like, bonkers stuff. But mm. so much of it is just like, what? <laughs> <laughs> yeah, and then when she goes up. What, uh, what were you going to say? What's with the guy in the bear costume? That's what's what, with the guy in the. What, what is that? What does that symbolize? What does it symbolize? I don't know. I'm sure the nut jobs in room 237 have a theory. Well, it symbolizes the homosexual agenda. <laughs> oh, no, no. The analyze is that, uh, that Jack sexually assaulted Danny back then or something like that. Yeah, I've, I've heard that, that too. It was like, oh, it's, he sexually assaulted him. I'm like, what? No, <laughs> it's the hotel trying to slow down or stop Wendy. It's just weird nonsense. 
Yeah, it's just stuff to make you go, what the fuck? And then it's, it's gone. It's, it's the people who have been affected or killed by the hotel. They've all always been here. That's why there's like the guy with the, his foreheads cut open, and he's like, "Great party, isn't it?" And the fucking elevators full of uh, uh, ocean spray, and there's <laughs> cobwebs and skeletons and stuff. Yep. Stuff. That that scene, how they do the blood and shit. It looks like the blood comes out, and then like jet streams come from the fucking wall. To make I think it's the pressure or something, right? I don't know. Yeah, it's just put a bunch of ocean spray and fire hose. <laughs> <laughs> That's just what it looks like to me. It just looks all oh, cranberry juice. Yeah, I and I guess that I, I know I'm talking about symbolizing, but is that symbolizing the blood that spilled in the hotel? Kind of with all the chances? that symbolizes the so. uh, the the woman's reproductive cycle. No, I think that symbolizes just people dying. Yeah, I think it's just like some fucked up shit. It's just, you know, it's blood. It's human. Well, we assume it's human blood. I don't know. Maybe it's all cat blood. I have no idea. Maybe it is cranberry juice. Maybe it is cranberry juice. <laughs> oh, blowjobs and cranberry juice. This place is haunted as shit. <laughs> and speaking of haunted, Stanley Kubrick moved furniture on purpose because of the ghost, right? Was that like? I that's my assumption. People are always like, "Oh, he's too much of a perfectionist for this to not be on purpose." If it's on purpose, then yeah, it's just supposed to be some spooky shit. Mm-hmm. I think, I think it's one of those things where you're not supposed to like overtly notice. Hey, that chair moved. It's just supposed to be like something's weird. Something's di- your brain is like the scene is different. Something's different, and I think that's supposed to set you ill at ease. That's mm-hmm. what I think it is. I that's also. Um, I think this is on purpose too. There's a few times, specifically when they're falling around Danny on his big wheel, that you kind of get a layout of of what's going on in that area of the overlook, because mm-hmm. you can see all the kitchen is connected to this room where he's doing the writing, and there's the stairs where there's confrontation with the bat. But there's a bunch of scenes where someone goes from one place to another that don't make any sense because you see the layout and then later in the movie they go from one place to another and it's like wait a minute those places aren't next to each other i love that too i think that's supposed to be the same thing it's supposed to confuse you and make you like wait i don't know what's going on and that's the point and the time that because remember it goes like monday and then like 3 p.m or 8 p.m and all that stuff that's just kuber being like well now they you're fucked up as the viewer of how long and isolation and time doesn't make sense anymore. You think that's why? Yeah, because it, it was like it was like one month later, and then yeah. it was like Tuesday. Tuesday. Yeah, from so when? Was it, <laughs> was it Monday when you said one month later? Yeah, it could have been Wednesday. We don't know. Yeah, I think it goes Tuesday, and then it's just like three p.m. It's like, what? <laughs> okay, so. I mean, I, I don't know what else to say. Um, uh, the soundtrack also kicks ass. Yes. Yes, I love the intro. Real quick. The intro of this movie is fucking amazing. With that it is drug, so awesome. I that love it. That synth, that wah, wah, wah. And then, like, I don't like the ghostly woo whale they put in there. I kind of wish it was just the, the, the synthesizer. The, the, music, the music when he's bringing his family to the Overlook is so fucking cool. Like... It's something like I'd noticed before, but now that I'm like a more educated film watcher or whatever, 
I think about it more now than ever, and it is so cool. Like I was like, man, this this music is fucking creepy and awesome. I think <laughs> it's it's Philip Glass, right? Philip Glass does the soundtrack. I'm not too sure about I, that. I think yeah, I, I think he does. I became aware of that because uh, in college, one of my one of my roommates did like this this big project on Philip Glass, and he would shut up about him for a few months. Uh, I hate how they never put like the the score people. On top, I, I always gotta go look for it and shit. Um, casting music by uh, Wendy Carlos and Rachel Elkind. Is there a score? Yeah. I might be wrong. It might not be Philip Glass. I don't fucking know. <laughs> um, two, two chicks and a synthesizer. <laughs> and uh, we call Kubrick had like a. Another writer, like he he had a uh, Diane Johnson, wasn't she the uh, writer with Kubrick on that movie? Yeah, I think yes. Yeah, apparently so. Okay, what's your guys' uh, theory about Jack being in the photo at the end? He's always been there. They tell you that. <laughs> I have no fucking clue. I've thought about it long and hard for years, and nothing makes sense. No. <laughs> My the only thing I, the only thing that makes any semblance of sense is the hotel took him. It's, he's part of that that gaggle of ghosts now. Yeah, like the picture isn't in fact representative of the picture that was taken July fourth, nineteen twenty one. It's just now that he's part of the hotel, he's part of like the hotel has inserted it photoshopped him into that photo because. He has been possessed by it. And, you know, <laughs> there, there's stuff that happens in Dr. Sleep that kind of backs that up, too. Mm -hmm. huh. Yeah, I kind of agree with you guys. I I think it has something along the line that the, the hotel's evil and just takes people like Grady and Lloyd and now Jack. And Jack's always been in the hotel, just like how uh, Grady tells Jack in the bathroom. Uh, that's my theory on things. Um I wanted to bring up this one crazy theory. I, I don't remember if I posted and keep in mind, this is, I'm not saying this theory is what Kubrick said, but this is what somebody believes and it's crazy. So somebody believes something crazy. I bet mm -hmm. you read it on the internet. Yeah. It, I posted in Facebook messenger a long time ago, but it's called the Wendy theory. Have you ever heard of the Wendy theory before? I don't think so. So the Wendy theory is that, uh, Wendy's been crazy the whole time that she's a schizo uh, person who sees things and hallucinates so every, every time there's a traumatic def uh, event in that movie it's just Shelly uh, I mean Wendy hallucinating that scene but like it doesn't it doesn't have any legs to stand on because obviously Dr. Sleep then it, it just throws out that theory and also, it just doesn't make sense at all. But I mean, Doctor Sleep doesn't have to be taken as an official sequel, of course. Mm -hmm. The Shining stands alone. The Shining exists in a vacuum. Yeah, to me, it's interesting. I mean, I don't think Kubrick would do it, but it's still interesting. The Wendy theory. I'm like, that would be kind of cool. Like she plants the idea of seeing like Grady killing uh, the people. So that's why she sees Grady and Jack talking. But there's so many scenes where 
we're, we're just with Jack or that, just with Danny. That's her mind, pretty much. That's what the Wendy theory is all about, that she's imagining Jack talking to this uh, Grady character and Lloyd character. Even though she's not there? <gasps> yeah. No. Well, she's, it, but that, I don't think that's as interesting. I, I, I like I like that it's a supernatural ghost hotel. Oh, yeah, I like what Kubrick, what we see. Um, like but the, the psychological stuff can be done really, really well, like Jacob's Ladder or something. But everyone always wants to be like, what if it's an unreliable narrator? Well, that's not always interesting. You're just trying to be like dime store deep. You're like, you smoked a joint. You're like, what if they were just in uh what if he was crazy the whole time and the whole thing was a dream yeah well what if you go fuck yourself that's stupid and contrived like it's like what if not, everybody thought like m night Shyamalan? because <laughs> that's what it's like my fate that's like my favorite ending for silent hill one the one where he's dead in the car the whole thing was a damn death dream it's just like it just you hear the car and he's like laying there like this and it's like when you see that ending you're like what <laughs> I was dead the whole time. <laughs> I mean, some. Like, I'll say this about some theories. Some theories. I don't know if you heard of the YouTuber Rob Ager. He does a lot of like theories on a lot of movies. Um, I've heard of him. Yeah, like his stuff. He he breaks it down. And he goes, "Well, it might be this. It might not be this. This is what I think a bit of how." Uh, and he, apparently, he went to like the Stanley Kubrick archives, which is like a like a uh, museum now that you can just go there and there's like props and stuff and all the stuff that he's written um all the years i i want to go there kind of um i think philadelphia so um yeah it's i i i dig some of the theories not the stupid one like 237 and fucking apollo uh that was stupid um that's 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 that it could have been so hilarious and interesting, but instead it's just so eye rolling. Yeah. But overall, I highly recommend this movie. Yeah, of course. Yeah. I, it's a classic. Yeah. Like I said, I've watched this movie a bunch of times. Every year when it first snows, I watch either The Shining or The Thing, and sometimes both. Oh god, I want to watch the, the Thing now. Thing. <laughs> also, I've been to the actual hotel, the one they used for all the exterior shots in this movie. The Stanley Hotel. Uh, uh, Colorado. I actually went there. It's kind of it's kind of disappointing, though, because inside looks nothing like the movie. Because, of course, it's all shot on a sound studio. But all the exterior shots are of an actual place in Colorado. And I went there. And it's neat. They have, like, a big display. It's weird. In one room, they have, like, a ton of shining stuff and, like, signatures and pictures and props. And in the very next room... It's signatures, pictures, props, and posters from Dumb and Dumber because <laughs> the hotel is also in Dumb and Dumber. That's just, it's so weird. <laughs> I just found out that Ready Player One has a shining scene, by the way. I don't know if you guys have ever seen that movie. I have. That's uh, that's my favorite part of that movie. Yeah, because I was like, oh, yeah, shit. The, the quiet, interesting part is my favorite part because the rest of that movie is just like, oh, fucking 80s shit, uh, back the feature, Gundam, uh, fucking, yeah. But, but that's the part that's like, it, it kind of breathes for a little bit. Mm -hmm. Um, Any final says about The Shining before we get into our final ranking? Oh, it's, it's a classic. If you haven't watched it yet, fucking pull your head out of your ass. Go watch it. And Zach? Same thing. All right. 
All right, let's get into some final ranking here um, because we are uh, ending spooky month. So, oh, what did we come up with the same thing again? Mm -hmm. We did. Oh my god, real? How is this possible? All right, I I, I kind of thought it was predestined here. Like there was <laughs> there was a few points where I was like, this could maybe change, but it was all like one, four, and five were pretty much set in stone. The only the only place I could see there being some wiggle room was two and three, maybe, but not for me. I thought for a second that Zach would put House of the Dead before Maniac Cop. <laughs> no way. Yeah, I. <laughs> I just, well, he said he said when we discussed it, it's one of his twelve worst movies, and Maniac Cop wasn't on that list. I don't think. No, it was not. Oh. There you go. Oh wow. Okay. Pay attention. <laughs> yeah. I guess I'll go first, and you know, obviously, if you guys want to elaborate on things, uh, we all have the same ranking anyway. At number five, I chose House of the Dead. Uh, I, I think we should all. Uh, we don't have to say a lot. That movie su stunk. <laughs> I think that movie sucks out loud. Yeah. <laughs> uh, a it made me laugh. It, it it made me entertain at times, and obviously the the Matrix thing uh, looked cool once, but then when you used it a million times, it got old. Yeah, the movie's like an hour and thirty one minutes or something. And there's about five minutes of entertainment in there, mm -hmm. and most of it is clips from House of the Dead by Sega. Hell yeah. <laughs> <laughs> Um, I, uh, we all chose Maniac Cop at number four. Um, obviously it's a little bit better than House of Dead, probably because of Bruce Campbell and yeah. it has pretty much a solid plot compared to House of the Dead. Yeah. If it had had more Bruce Campbell, I think it would be more classic, but as it sits, it's just like a pretty okay 80s horror knockoff, like not one of the good ones. Oh, and since Zach uh, reviews this, would you give House of Dead, by the way? Oh, I listed my scores there. It's 3.3. Okay. Well, I want you to say it. <laughs> okay. And then Maniac Cop got a 4.6. Okay. There's a big jump. Yeah. Yeah. And then we get into good movies <laughs> after those two. Like Maniac Cop, you know, went a little ahead, but then when the number three, we all agreed. That the Texas Chainsaw Massacre would be at number three. And Zach, what was your review on that one? 8.4 out of 10. Yeah. That's uh, very good. Classic movie. Um, I like it better than the second Texas Chainsaw Massacre. Um, yeah, I still need to watch that one. <laughs> yeah, because it gets silly after the first one. And the first one, like, it has that slow build until the craziness uh, I still don't understand why they put like comedy in there, or how Toby Hooper had convinced himself it was a, a it was a comedy movie. I, I don't understand that. Well, that's what he said. Oh, the second one to be funny. Oh. The second one is too. That's like Reanimator. They say Reanimator is black comedy. I'm like, other than like one scene, it's pretty straight. I don't know. It gets ridiculous, but I wouldn't call it a fucking comedy. <laughs> um, number two. We all chose The Wailing, um, and Zach, you gave it, what, out of 10? 8.8 8. 8 out of 10. It was very good. Yeah. The movie is the spook. Yeah, I think, you know, obviously with The Shining and The Wailing, those two movies we have a lot to discuss because The Wailing at, at certain points we were like, 
you know, is this happening for a reason? And then we're like, we don't know because <laughs> everything's. That's what makes movies scary to me. Mm-hmm. Jump scares and and gore, like, get the fuck out of here. I don't give a fuck about that shit. Like, if if you have jump scares and gore, you got to have this other stuff too. I, I want to be confused. I want to be disoriented. <laughs> I want to be like, I, I want you to think, make me think about it. And when I think about it, I realize, well, fuck, I can't explain what the fuck's going on here. The the perfect encapsulation of that is in The Shining, is when uh, the, what's his name? The the guy who was the cook, I forgot his name, it just escaped. Halloran. Halloran. Halloran, yeah. When, oh, when, when he comes, when he comes to the Overlook. No, it's like when he's laying in the bed uh, and like he can, I guess he can pick up on like what Danny's getting through The Shining or whatever. And you just see him like his, it's like he's laying there in a bed and he's like kind of bored and he's watching the news. And then that music starts playing and it's zooming in on his face. And it's like, <laughs> it's like what's he scared of? What the fuck? It just oh, it makes me, you think. For me, like my favorite example of what is a scary scene also comes from The Shining, but it's something different. And I've had this conversation several times, but never on the show. So here we go. Um, you can have a jump scare and it can be like unearned. It can be just like the music gets really loud when something jumps at you. I fucking can't stand that kind of stuff. What's scary to me is um, Wendy's looking for Jack, and she comes in and like, oh, where's Jack? I don't know. I'm going to look at shit on his table. And the stuff in the typewriter just says, oh, working no play makes Jack a dull boy. And then she starts looking at the papers. Oh, Jack. She keeps flipping. It's just the same thing again and again, but like in weird different patterns. And it's like the longer she looks at it, the, the music gets a little creepier, but it doesn't like, it doesn't get overinflated it doesn't it doesn't do anything it doesn't earn and the longer she looks at it her face looks more panicked because she's like oh my god jack is a fucking crazy person (laughs) and then the camera from behind the wall slowly comes out from behind her where she's looking at the papers and we're still like 10 feet away from her but you you sense oh my god wendy is in so much fucking danger right now (laughs) yeah and yeah. then Jack steps into the shot slowly, like it doesn't scare you. He just slowly steps into the shot. And he goes, "Do you like it?" or something like that. Hi, and, she, and then she screams. That's <laughs> way scarier than any jump scare I've ever seen. Yeah. <laughs> uh, what's great about like how that shot, right? Because us as the viewer, we're seeing Jack slowly turn into crazy Jack, and then like obviously he after the part with the room 237 he goes back to writing and that's when he's writing you know all work makes jack a dull boy and all that stuff all and he's just he's, no play makes jack a dull boy. he's just typing and typing away and that's what he's typing and then like at the same time like you're just like wendy's just in that room with her bat given like i guess tony because tony taking over danny because he's like Yes, Miss Torrance, I watch cartoons. He didn't say that, but that's what he's pretty much doing. Watching the Roadrunner. Yeah, Roadrunner. (laughs) And, like, when she sees that, like you said, wow, Jack's crazy. And then Mm -hmm. then that's when the craziness goes full steam ahead. Because he's like, maybe we take him to the doctor? And then, like, I'm going to bash your brains and all this stuff. Like, that. Yeah, I think you have a lot of ideas about what should be done about Danny. I want to hear them. Yeah. Oh, he maybe he should be taken to a doctor. You think maybe he should be taken to a doctor. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> uh, 
And obviously, everybody, if you if you didn't know this, The Shining is all our number ones. Um, of course it is. Apparently, it was only barely number one for Zach. <laughs> I mean, that, uh, yeah, I gave it an 8.9 out of 10. That wouldn't necessarily mean, like, if they were both 8.8, I still would have put The Shining above that. Um, it's just more, it, it's classic movie. It's really ingrained into people that grew up in America watching movies. Even if you're a total fucking normie goober, you've seen The Shining. Yeah, <laughs> even if you haven't seen The Shining, you've kind of seen The Shining. Like, it's spoofed by everything as well. In fact, just because I'll never get another opportunity to mention it again, one of my favorite Simpsons jokes of all time is a spoof of The Shining. One of the uh, Treehouse of Horrors, I-, I can't remember the premise of it, but I-, I think it's just like a complete knockoff of The Shining they're like watching somewhere. And Homer has written all over the walls uh all work and no beer make homer go crazy and then parch comes in and sees it and he goes all work and no beer make homer something something and she goes go crazy and he goes don't mind if i do (laughs) (laughs) it's one of my favorite simpsons games of all time it's such funny right because it's like it they already know that you know the premise of because it's so ubiquitous the shining is just such a good movie and so famous that everyone's already seen that how do you turn that into a joke you subvert what people expect him to say and then it's it's funny and clever yeah so yeah that's our final ranking because we all thought the same movies again i think it's two in a row right yeah it is it is two in a row so that that is interesting, Zach. Since um, you brought the idea of what we're watching next month, what's the movie? Yes. Yeah, oh, three in a row. Damn. Uh, what are, what are we watching next month, or what's our next movie we're gonna watch? We're we're watching the Mad Max movies for November. It's it's a thank. You you must give thanks for being able to survive in the wasteland. Give thanks for gasoline. Yes. <laughs> yeah, especially during these th- these times of uh, gas prices going up. But yeah, we're gonna watch Mad Max, Mel Gibson, baby. Thanks, uh, Obama. Oh wait. What? <laughs> <laughs> Thanks we're, again, Obama. <laughs> we're also. No, uh, it's uh, Mel Gibson, then um, um, Tom Hardy. Yeah. Sort of. Sort of. Wait, sort of Tom Hardy. We'll get to it when we get there. Okay. But remember, we'll guys. Cross that bridge. Guys, remember, watch Mad Max and then come back. Watch the first one. For fuck's sake, I'm sick and tired of people being like, the first one's not really good. I just watch the second one and the fourth one. Fuck you. The first one's really good. Go watch it again. Yes. You you forgot. You forgot how good the first one is. It really is really good. The third one, give or take. But maybe when we revisit it, my opinion will change. The first one's better than you remember. So, yeah, remember to watch the first one uh, or Andy will punch you. Um, and then we'll come back here and we'll we'll discuss it is there any news that we wanted to bring up I know me and Zach have some news about Charlotte Flair and Becky on getting some color this Thursday so we'll save it for that Um, but other than that oh um, me and Andy talked about this before the show so they came out with the expansion pack for the Nintendo Switch Online with N64, and apparently, I looked at the screenshot of Ocarina of, uh, Ocarina of Time, um, 
It ruined the water effects. Yeah, the water looks blocky in the emulation compared to the Wii and actual N64. So why would they 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 sue all these people for emulators and shit and ROMs just to take the game and make it shit? The fuck. There's an important there's an important distinction here. They never have sued people for using emulators. They sue people for um distributing ROMs. Yeah, but like I'm not defending them. I'm just saying like it, it, it's legally it's an important distinction. Semantically it, it you know, it probably doesn't matter. And I don't think they're going to fix it. I think they're just going to leave it. We're going to have blocky ass water in the, in the the emulator of, over the ROM of uh the emulation in the Switch expansion pack. They might they might fix it, they might not. Uh, kind of a benefit of a doubt thing here. Also, it's one of like 24 games that you get, and apparently the emulation on the other ones is okay. Apparently, most of the Genesis games have little to no problems, so mm. that's cool. It's it's still a value thing. It's not really, The value isn't there for everyone. Yeah. Well, it makes me want to go back to the source. <laughs> I'm getting... Yeah, the... I mean, get it... Get, you you can play you can play these games other ways. Um, some other minor game related news. Um, what's the name of that game? God damn it! Halo. I put it in the chat, and it's back on Kickstarter. It's based on it's a Genesis game. Um, oh, damn it! Oh, this is gonna bug me. Is it the fa- is it on Facebook Messenger? Yeah, it's our group chat. Scroll up. Scrolling up. Scrolling, scrolling, baby. Keep on scrolling, baby. Uh, 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 uh. Well, while, while we're... Paprium. Uh... Okay. Paprium is back on Kickstarter, and the reasons for it are very confusing, and apparently a lot of people are really frustrated by it. Uh, Paprium is an admittedly very badass and very cool and very pretty Sega Genesis game. It was announced a few years ago, and they did an initial Kickstarter, and then the development team went through so much strife. (laughs) So much. Like, people came and went, and there were arguments, and then there was no updates, and a bunch of people didn't get their rewards. But the game did finally eventually come out, and then when it came out, there was problems with it. Like, they had to add a new chip to the cartridge, and it has a heatsink on it, but in shipping, the glue for the heatsinks came off. So now everyone's got, like, this purple uh second genesis cartridge and when you shake it the stupid heat sink rattles around inside of it but there's still a ton of people who back the initial kickstarter who have not got what they were promised and now the creators or the owners of the game uh, watermelon whatever they've relisted the game on kickstarter for a brand new kickstarter and they say it's so that they can release it on Xbox Series X, uh, PlayStation 5, Switch, and PC, Steam, or good old games. And also so that they can cover shipping costs for the existing stuff that they need to send out. And, like, everyone is saying, don't back it. These people are fucking lying to you. So it's been this whole huge interesting thing. And um I always find it really disappointing when there's any reason to distrust people on Kickstarter or stuff like that, because so much good has come out of it, but you, you do got to be careful, you know, caveat and poor, buyer beware. 
I don't know. It was it's just something that was kind of interesting to me uh, because I want to play Paprium, but I don't want to pay like two hundred dollars for the actual physical cartridge. So I kind of wanted to download it on Switch or something. So it's like I want it to succeed, but at the same time I don't want them to scam a bunch of people out of money and then they end up never getting their rewards. So I don't know. I'm very split. I was curious. That's really scummy that like they took people's money, didn't deliver, and then they came out another Kickstarter so that they more money is a very common uh fucking hacky fucking something that charlatans do on kickstarter they usually at least have the decency to like go to indiegogo they like finish the kickstarter and then they go to indiegogo like less than a year later but it's been years since paprium was originally backed and there's still people waiting to get their rewards yeah and now they're on kickstarter again with i mean they say it's so that they can bring it to next gen or current gen or whatever it's it's a year later it's current gen they say it's so that they can bring it to the current generation of consoles but i guess in an update they were like oh we can't afford shipping for your rewards but most people suspect they don't actually have anything to send people they just kind of the company kind of dropped the ball again in a brand new and fresh way so i don't know there's a lot of really really good and interesting youtube videos that cover the whole paprium affair up to now and i i I recommend just going and watching them somebody has to make a kickstarter to support the kickstarter they they kickstarted don't trust them yeah maybe they're bad businessmen (laughs) it's a very common practice yeah, because they probably what? blew through all the money that they received in the first one. They're like, oops. <laughs> they did. Like, I guess there's documents to confirm that they did, at least according to, again, YouTube videos I've watched. Uh, one more teeny tiny little gaming news, and something I forgot to mention during uh, what have you played and watched and stuff. Uh, Kojima's book came out. It's weird. <laughs> Can you believe it? No. Uh, his His writing is very much... Um, I kind of wanted to save this for a review of the book overall, but I wanted to mention his writing is a lot like the way he composes scenes in video games. And it's, it's hard to explain why I think that it's just like something to do with pacing or phrasing or something like that. But I realized I've never in my life heard, read or seen, well, no, I've seen but heard or read anything that Kojima directly wrote. I've always got everything of his through a translator. So I don't know. I thought that, I, I thought that was interesting because it still, it still translates as the, Kojima definitely wrote this because he's a fucking weird. Does he talk about metal, like the development of metal gear in that? No, it's nothing like that. It's just um, stuff he likes and how it influenced the way he makes games. At least he hasn't talked about metal gear in anything I've seen. At first, I was like, oh, you have to read it beginning to end. And you can, but it's broken down into just parts where he just, like, chooses something, a book, a movie, an album, and talks about when it came out, what it meant to him, and stuff like that. So I just went to the media list at the back and, like, cherry-picked a few things. I read about Blade Runner, and I read, read about a few other things and his thoughts on it and it's interesting it's it would be it's i think it's going to become my new bathroom book <laughs> but it's it's interesting it's interesting so far but i've, I've barely I've barely cracked the spine on it like it just came this week so. um 
news came out a couple of days ago, I should say like yesterday, um, Halo came out with their uh, campaign overall uh, overview, I should say, trailer, uh, where it explains about like Cortana is evil and this new AI Cortana-like the weapon, I guess, which is probably going to be the weapon to uh, get Cortana. And Halo is now like an open world game now. You go to like mission. You ever play Metal Gear Solid Five, guys? Yeah. It, it's yeah. kind. Of, it's kind of like going from base to base, um, kind of thing. Uh, just in the Halo. So it is open world. I thought the levels were just more open. I was confused about which way they were going. There was a map and there was icons for the bases. So. Okay. Good. That's yeah. My my main thing is I like the unique enemy or bosses that they showed in that trailer. Meaning that probably when you go to one of these missions or strong uh, strongholds and all that stuff, you face one of these bosses. So I'm actually a little excited about that. And obviously the vehicle stuff looks cool. So, but eh, it's coming out on Game Pass if you have Game Pass or if you want the physical copy. I don't know what the price is. I think it's sixty um, for. That's what I was under impression of. I thought I saw it on Amazon for sixty. Yeah, it's coming out December eighth. So, uh, I'm excited for that. Zach, do you have any? Oh, Halo Infinite. Of course, it's open world. Think about that. Mm-hmm. Infinite possibilities. Probably they're gonna be like DLC maps and shit or missions. Is that sixty? Zach, do you have any news? No. <laughs> All right, I think we're gonna end it here. Um, I don't think there's any other news besides. I saw a trailer Black Friday with Bruce Campbell in it, uh, where Bruce Campbell's like a retail toy store supervisor getting ready for black friday and a zombie apocalypse happens in the store so (laughs) it has bruce campbell in it so there you go could be entertaining maybe yeah but if you want to catch more big trouble podcast make sure you type in big trouble podcast and stitcher google podcast apple podcast spotify amazon music alexa all nine yards we're everywhere um this time getting some color is going to happen this Thursday. Again, life got in the way. I had to do mandatory overtime. Um, so we'll be doing uh, that this Thursday. But until next time, everybody, we'll see you next week for Mad Max. Peace out. Thanks for listening. Goodbye.